I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. It seems that we talk about evangelization a lot on this show, uh, and I think part of that is because I think it is the implication of our faith. If we really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He has brought us forgiveness, that He has given us grace through the sacraments and nourishes our souls, if we really, truly believe that, that has some implications. One of those implications that looms larger than life is that we would want to tell people about it. We tell people about a great restaurant we went to. We had a good experience with the chef or we liked the dessert that he made, right? If we would have uh, that same kind of evangelistic encounter uh, with the movie that we just watched, oh, I have to tell everybody about this movie and they should go see it because it was great, then how much more would we not by implication of if we really believed that Christ has given us grace and brought us to new life, how much more would we not share that? Now, I know that there's the fear of being uh, labeled a proselytizer, but true evangelization is drastically different and distinct from proselytizing. In fact, if you go back and you read uh, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict and perhaps even all the way back to Pope John Paul II, there is a, a very strong denouncing of proselytizing, this idea that uh, you have to think like I think and I have the right way and uh, and sometimes metaphorically or otherwise, uh, this attempt to convert someone at the point of a sword. But evangelization is different in that it is sharing an experience. No one can come to you and tell you that your experience is invalid. It may be uh, immature, it may be misinformed, but your experience is your experience. And so you going out and saying, you know, I had a really, uh, a really moving experience uh, in Scripture. I, I had a really a profound experience with, with Jesus Christ in prayer. And that is what it is. Now, it will be attractive to some people. Some people will dismiss it and say, oh, that's no big, uh, that, that's just for you, it's your crutch, it's whatever else. But it's still your experience, and it can't just be uh, dismissed. So evangelization, like uh, this great new restaurant you found, or like a great movie that you watched, or like a great book that you read, is your own impression and appropriation of a thing you experienced that you now want to share with someone else and invite them to have a similar experience. This is so far removed from proselytizing. This also takes off a lot of, of pressure because you don't have to have all the right words. Uh, th there's room for you to say, you know, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. Let me, let me do a little bit more research and get back with you. That's a really interesting question. I'm interested in that. There's a, a story in Scripture that I think sums this idea of evangelization up very well, and it's the man who was healed uh, by Christ and who had been blind from birth. And he gets called in, and his parents get called in and said, uh, is this your son? And they were scared. They didn't want to acknowledge that he had been healed because they 
wanted to maintain their their membership in, in the synagogue, and they knew that they could get put out if they uh, if they made the wrong people angry. So they said, he's old enough. Why don't you ask him what happened to him? I don't know. And so the leaders who were very upset that he had been healed uh, in the way that he was healed, they asked him, um, who healed you? And he said, well, uh, I don't know. Um, why, why do you ask? Do you want to follow him too? And they got a little bit mad at that. And maybe he was being snarky, but there was the this genuine thing of, listen, I've told you over and over again, I was blind and Christ came and this, this, uh, this person came and he, he put mud in my eyes and he healed me and I was blind and I'm not blind now. And this is my experience and I'm telling it to you. And, uh, are you interested in experiencing this as well? Right. And so this is what we're called to. We, we don't have to have all the right answers, although it is, I think, incumbent on us as we grow in the faith, as we realize, hey, uh, there's a lot I don't know. I think that it is incumbent on us a little bit to begin to to grow closer to Christ, because as we grow closer to Christ, we're going to grow in, uh, in academic knowledge as well as in uh, the interior life. So yes, we should uh, continue to, to grow in that knowledge. But evangelization in and of itself is simply sharing our experience. Uh, my, my cousin, who I mention all the time on this show because he helped bring me into the church, uh, he did this very well in that I sometimes was genuinely curious uh, what he had to say. And sometimes I, um, I just thought I had a zinger that I was going to get him with. What about prayer to saints or what about whatever else? And he would always answer uh, in a very dispassionate way. He didn't get worked up about it. He didn't get flustered. He's like, oh, well, this is what we believe. He never said to me, this is what you have to believe. He simply answered my question. This is what we believe. Sometimes uh, I would, you know, when we talked about transubstantiation, he threw a little zinger in himself and he would say, you know, the you can't have Christ's presence in the Eucharist without a priesthood. And he didn't really go on to explain it all that much. He just kind of left it there hanging in the air for me to have to go and either rebut and disprove or to look into and find it to be true. It's not a sense of answering all the right questions at just the right time and having a Catholic answers uh, apologist acumen with answering difficult questions. Evangelization is merely sharing your experience of Christ with someone else and helping them find their way into this relationship with him. Now, speaking of Catholic answer apologist, we're going to be talking with one today. We're speaking with Carlo Brassard. Uh, he's going to be in the Tulsa area, for those of you in my listening audience in Tulsa. He's coming to do a parish mission at Christ the King July 9th through 11th. We're going to talk a little bit about that, as well as his upcoming book, Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. I've got a couple of links up there that will interest you. And don't go anywhere because we'll be right back right after this with my conversation with Carlo Broussard. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. 
I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking with Carlo Brassard. And let me tell you, the devil does not like you, Carlo. <laughs> I have had more trouble with technical issues getting ready for this interview than I have had in the entire three years of doing this show. So, um, so kudos for making the devil so angry. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how good we do, right? <laughs> Hopefully, we can do some good and make them even angrier. Now, you come. You're you currently live in California, but you hail from Crowley, Louisiana. And if that's you right, Southern Louisiana. I'm the raging Cajun apologist, man. <laughs> so now, my my great grandmother grew up in in Crowley. My dad grew wow, up. Wow, that's in, amazing. Dad grew up between Lafayette and New Iberia and Maxie yeah. and all all down there, uh, and so. While I never lived in Louisiana, uh, I kind of feel like I did because that was what was on the menu in our house <laughs> growing up. Amen to that, uh, brother. The, the, the house was never without a little bit of boudin, right? You just, there you go. Dad made a real mean crawfish etouffee, and Ooh. really there's, there's just about nothing that a Cajun can't make into a meal. Amen to that, brother. I mean, if you can look, I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever seen it for those of you listening, but if you can look at a, at a crawfish and say, I think I'm going to eat that. And that's why most people don't eat it, because when they look at it, they say, I will not eat that. But as a Cajun, we say, we know how to make it edible, Sha. That's, that's butter. <laughs> lots and lots of butter. And it's all you in the room. That, you put it in that boiling water, man, with that good seasoning, and that crawfish comes out nice and red, and it's, mm, ça c'est bon, Sha, as we say in Louisiana. It's good. <laughs> so, Carlo, you're coming uh, to Tulsa. Uh, on yes. uh, this uh, couple of weeks, July 9th through July 11th, you're going to be at Christ the King Parish. Uh, yep. And you're going to be bringing all of the, the Ragin' Cajun apologist uh, goodness. That's right. We're, we're, we're going to introduce them to that Southern charm and that Southern flair, right? Uh, and, and, and let people experience that the faith can be fun and intellectual inquiry and thought and defending the faith and learning the faith is not just some abstract highfalutin pie in the sky type stuff just for, you know, the, the, the scholar in the ivory tower, but it's something that can be inspiring. Because the more knowledge we have of the Lord and of our faith, Tim, the more reasons we have to love the Lord. It's a spiraling effect. The more knowledge we have, the more love, the more love, the more knowledge, right? Because right. we're moved and motivated to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. And that's something I want to share with the folks at Christ the King. We're going to be talking about some essential topics of our faith. I mean, the ultimate question, what must I do to be saved, right? How do we in particular, dialogue with our Protestant brothers and sisters on this topic of salvation as taught by our Lord in sacred scripture, as well as the early church and the apostles in the New Testament. So we're going to ask that question, what must we do to be saved? And, and look at how Catholic and Catholics and Protestants differ and where we agree on this topic, because this is a central question, right? I mean, the rich young man came up to our blessed Lord in Matthew 19, Lord, what must I do to be saved, right? And the Lord gave an answer. And that's one of the answers we're going to be giving uh, on July 9th when we talk about this topic of salvation. We're also going to look at the topic of purgatory, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting, Tim, that you would think that after almost 30 years of the new apologetics movement, right, in the Catholic-Protestant dialogue, enkindled and initiated by our founder here at Catholic Answers, Carl Keating, you would think purgatory is a dead horse, man, that you're just beaten, right? 
but it's still alive. It's like the number one topic searched on our website. Yeah. It's the number one question I get when I do a general Q&A with regard to Catholic and Protestant topics. So I'm going to give a talk on purgatory entitled Refiner's Fire, right? Right. Explaining and defending the doctrine of purgatory, in particular using the Bible and how we can engage in conversation with our Protestant brothers and sisters about this topic of purgatory. Beyond even our Protestant brothers and sisters, I've met a number of people who grew up in the Catholic Church who who have looked at me Amen. and said, "I thought I thought purgatory went away with Vatican II." Long gone, right? <laughs> yeah, it's some kind of old doctrine that we don't believe anymore. Au contraire, no, it is still. Uh, central belief of our Catholic faith. It is a dogma, it's de fide, right? Mm -hmm. So it belongs to the deposit of faith that we must accept with divine faith uh, rather than merely just Catholic faith. So it's an infallible teaching and level one teaching called dogma, right? And so we're going to be talking about that. And then finally, on the third night of this series on July 11th, I'll be talking about the sacrament of confession, to confess or not to confess, right? And looking at the biblical evidence, you know, the biblical plausibility of the sacrament of confession, because so many people say, why, why should I go to a priest when I can go straight to God? It's totally contrary to the Bible. Well, no, there's some principles in Scripture that would give one reason to conclude that it's at least biblically plausible right. that our blessed Lord would employ his ordained ministers to administer the forgiveness of sins. And then we're actually going to look at the evidence where our Lord transfers authority over to his apostles to forgive sins, and then answer some common objections that our Protestant brothers and sisters will offer in order to try and show that their reading of the text is the correct reading. And so we'll respond to some of those objections. So I think we're going to have a good old time, right? As we say in Louisiana, we're going to laisser les bon temps rouler. We're going to let the good times roll and go through sacred scripture, learn about our Catholic faith, learn how to defend our Catholic faith, but ultimately learn how to engage in that conversation with others who are questioning and to provide them persuasive answers to satisfy their inquiry. If you're just joining us today, we're talking with Carlo Brassard. He's coming to Tulsa uh, to Christ the King Church. If you are in the area, uh, you want to take a look at that, go to ChristTheKingCatholic.Church. It's not a .com, it's a .church, ChristTheKingCatholic.Church. Uh, find out all the information, RSVP, it's free. Uh, to you, and uh, there's child care available. So what uh, what's holding you back? Go ahead and take a look. Uh, plan on being there July 9th through 11th. Uh, now, um, Carlo, I, wa I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, just this whole notion of apologetics. So for right. me, uh, I came into the church, um, and I came into the church because I had questions, and my my cousin, uh, who's there in Shreveport, Louisiana, as a priest, oh, wow. uh, he uh, he was careful both to plant the right seeds and to answer right. questions in a very specific and particular way. So right. you, you coming from South Louisiana, uh, it's 98% Catholic. There's not necessarily <laughs> a whole lot of opportunity. People aren't beating down your door and say, well, tell me about so-and-so like I was to my cousin, um, right. uh, what takes you, because uh, you're a second career apologist, right? You started out as, uh, as a Zydeco musician. For those of you that's, who, who don't right. know, you need to look up, go to Google, <laughs> go to Google and type in <laughs> Carlo, Carlo with a K, Carlo Broussard right. and Standard Time. There you go, man. You'll see something different than what you see on the video right here, this bald head. <laughs> man, it's fantastic. Uh, Carlo, you play a mean accordion. Yeah. What takes you from that to right. say, you know what, I want to spend all of my day, every day, talking to people about 
the faith that I grew up in, the faith that I love. What right. was that moment for you of of being captured by by apologetics and by teaching people the the truth of the faith? Right. Yeah. So uh, I was first introduced to apologetics through the ministry of Tim Staples. So I somehow got a hold to a tape of his conversion story where, you know, Tim Staples, former anti-Catholic Assemblies of God youth pastor in the military, trying to convert another uh, fellow Marine, right, in the military uh, and trying to convert that Catholic boy out of the Catholic faith. And this in, this individual, this gentleman knew his Catholic faith. He knew how to answer the common objections that um, Mr. Staples was proposing to him, right? And that led Tim Staples on the journey to look into the Catholic faith and ended up becoming one of the nation's leading evangelists and apologists. Right. And when I heard that conversion story, Tim, it was just a divine invasion of grace because a fire lit within my heart to learn this new thing I heard about called apologetics. Because, and this is interesting because I was not an intellectual kind of guy. I mean, I played my accordion. I was pursuing the Cajun music career, right? And nightclubs and bars and festivals and travel and record albums and all of that stuff. That was my life. That's all I thought about, literally. I ate and breathed that stuff, man. And for some reason, when I heard Tim Staples' conversion story, it just, it, it just, uh, grace was infused within my soul to where my intellect was awakened. It was enlightened. And I was like, well, let me check into this. So I started listening to more tapes from Tim Staples, Scott Hahn, and all those guys. And man, it was just like pedal to the middle, baby, from then on. The flame was fanned. That pilot light that was turned on in baptism was fanned through the ministry of these guys. And so I started studying theology informally, learning apologetics, and I developed a new dream. So rather than trying to pursue my dream to be a Cajun accordionist in, in music, I wanted to be a Cajun apologist. So I, <laughs> I gave up my band, gave up the whole music career, and started pursuing the career of theology and philosophy. And so here I am 17 years later or so, somewhere around there, living out my dream. Because when I first started, I told Tim Staples, I said, brother, I'm going to work with you one day. We're going to work together. And he would say, yeah, I got you back. You know, so here we are. You know, he's right down the hall and uh, we're working together here at Catholic Answers. It's a dream come true for me. Now we had, it's been a few years, but we had Tim on the show uh, earlier on. And I, I have to tell you, there's a certain, um, gosh, rocket fueled, caffeinated uh breeze that blows in whenever he walks in the room. <laughs> Amen. And, and, and I, it caught fire with me. I was yeah. about to say, it looks like it's contagious. Uh, although a part of that, I think is just the Cajun culture in general. So uh, I'd, I'd be really interested to see what kind of damage can be done when the two of you are in the room together. <laughs> we actually have a blast. Tim, I'll tell you just, just an hour ago, we were doing a video shoot with EWTN. The EWTN crew came down and we're doing a video shoot with those guys with some promotional material. And it was funny, as Tim was in the makeup chair and I was in the makeup chair, we were talking metaphysics, philosophy, and theology, man. It was fantastic. We actually, we like to call our office the Rocky Morciano School of Apologetics or the gym, right? right. So I'll, I'll say, hey, is the gym open? He'll say, come on in. And so we go at it. <laughs> we'll go from talking metaphysics to MMA fighting, man. <laughs> So now this is, a, I think this is an important point for people who maybe they're not very comfortable with their Catholic faith or, or, right. or at least they're not comfortable articulating out loud. They, they love their faith. It, it's deeply held. Uh, they can appropriate it and they can understand it because they live with it. Right. But the yeah. idea of 
even saying the word metaphysics out loud, yeah. uh, that's a little frightening to them. You were that person. Uh, so how did you get to the place? What, what process did you take real quickly uh, to, to familiarize yourself with maybe these d bigger terms, the, the $5 sure. words, and, and sure. to begin to understand so that you could begin to articulate the, the what's and whys and wherefores of your faith? That's right. So when I first, I remember, you know, being introduced in Matthew 16, 18 through 19, right? Where Christ tells Simon, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. And he makes the promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. He gives the keys of the kingdom to Peter. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't know the difference between Matthew 16, 18 through 19 and John 6, where Jesus gives us the Eucharist. But when I learned that stuff, it gave me a healthy confidence, a righteous confidence to where I could engage in a conversation with a Protestant and not feel inferior, not feel intimidated, but to be confident in my faith that Jesus did establish the Catholic Church. And therefore, the being Catholic does matter, right? Because these are great gifts, the papacy, the sacraments that Jesus willed to give us for us to experience the joy he wills for us to have. We're talking today with Carlo Brassard. He's coming to Tulsa July 9th through 10th at Christ the King Parish. Go to ChristTheKingCatholic.Church. It's not a .com, it's a .church. Join us over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. You'll find a whole bunch of links to Carlo's stuff, including his website, so you can find out more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking to Carlo Broussard. He works at Catholic Answers. Find them over at catholic.com, best website in the world. How did you pull off catholic.com? That was luck. Our founder, man, Carl Keating, whenever he heard about this new thing called the internet mm -hmm. and he found out about URLs, he beat the Vatican to the punch, <laughs> brother. <laughs> He got Catholic.com. Can't get any easier than that, right? Can't get any easier than that. You can go there. There's all kinds of, of articles. There's a forum there. Uh, you got questions. We've got answers. Go to Catholic.com for Catholic answers. They also have uh, just a, a huge number of speakers who are there to help you out. Uh, whether you need help in your parish, whether whatever the case is, uh, you go to Catholic.com or you go to CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com. You can get fantastic speakers just like Carlo. Carlo, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me, brother. Okay, so we, we're talking about apologetics and about sharing your faith. Right. Um, of course, one of the easiest ways people can can bone up, as it were, on apologetics is to listen to Catholic Answers, which is on your local Catholic station. Uh, there you have people calling in asking the, those questions that are the common questions and getting different takes from different apologists about uh, a way to answer that. Uh, I have a number of friends that that's how they got into apologetics. Right. And something that y'all do there that, uh, that I think you do well, but it's not intuitive or it's not obvious, uh, is something that you've taken the time to write a book about. And it's about how do you answer these questions rather than just having the right answer, which is important. There's also a right way 
to give the answer. And, and right. we see this with Christ. You know, people come up to Christ and they ask him a question. And it, Scripture always tells us he perceived their heart. He knew what they were really saying. And a lot of times he answers with a question. And right. so, so often, you know, we're programmed by listening to Catholic Answers or whatever the case is to hear a question and, and want to give the right answer and jump right in. But there's more to it than that. In fact, you've got a new book uh, that came out just this past April called uh, Prepare the Way, Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel, and the Church. What, what, what do you mean by prepare the way? How do you prepare yeah, the well, way? That's right. So that's taken from the motif of John the Baptist, right? Mm -hmm. Being the voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare a way for the Lord. And what motivated me to write the book with that motif is the idea that I found that in the ministry of apologetics, very often we spend the majority of our time having to sort of clear out the brush to make a pathway for truth, right? To try to lead the person we're engaging to a proper disposition to embrace whatever truth we want to proclaim to them because there's so much confusion and there's so much clarification that needs to be done. There's hidden assumptions in a person's thinking, right? Things, certain things, hidden assumptions that they're operating on, that they're thinking based on and which, which is leading them to certain flawed conclusions. So I've often had a devotion to John the Baptist in my ministry of apologetics because I see the ministry of apologetics as preparing a way, removing obstacles or roadblocks, both intellectually and emotionally, right, that impede an individual from encountering our Lord as our Lord approaches them bearing the gifts of truth in life. So sometimes it's the presence of something like there's so much evil in the world. How can I possibly believe in an all good God? It's like a mountain, right? So we're either going to have to lower that mountain or heel, and if we can't lower it, at least drill a hole through it, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's, sometimes it's the absence of something. So, for example, somebody might say, well, I'm not good. how can I be a Christian when, you know, I haven't really met a real Christian? You're all a bunch of hypocrites, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be the absence of evidence, like, well, how can I believe in God when I haven't really encountered any good arguments for God? So we want to feel that value provide the good argument. So I see apologetics rather than just being like, you know, we're right, they're wrong, yeah. right? This sort of tribal chest thumping kind of thing. Although it is true, we have the truth and there are some positions that are wrong, but it, by looking at apologetics in light of this motif of preparing the way, we can see how apologetics fits within the whole ministry of evangelization. The ultimate end is to lead that person to communion with Christ. Amen? Amen. And if there is an obstacle or a roadblock, and for many, those obstacles are intellectual obstacles, mm -hmm. obstacles that are preventing the mind from assenting to the truth and thus preventing them from willing the truth and doing the truth and embracing the truth, right? So if we we can remove these obstacles, well, then that individual will be in a better position to embrace the truth that we're trying to proclaim to them. And so that's what I do in the book. I, I prepare a way for truth, removing obstacles to truth. How can I believe in truth when people believe so many different things? We deal with that. I prepare a way for God. How can I believe in God when there's so much evil in the world? We remove that obstacle. I prepare a way for Jesus, Christianity, and the church, removing various obstacles. And I, it's a coach approach. So I coach the reader in strategies on how to remove these obstacles. And each of the strategies are sort of embedded with questions that you can ask in the dialogue that guide the dialogue alone, right? Mm -hmm. 
uh, to draw out certain points, to expose hidden, flawed assumptions. Uh, it's not to be snarky or to right. get somebody in a corner, you know, but it's to simply point out the incoherence, the incoherent lines or ways of thinking that are keeping that person from embracing the truth of Jesus. So that's basically what we do in the book, preparing the way for the Lord, preparing the way for truth, God, Jesus, Christianity, and the church. We're talking today with Carlo Brassard about a, a new book he's written, uh, called Prepare the Way, Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel, and the Catholic Church, available on Catholic Answers Press. Uh, so a lot of times when people come and they, and they ask a question, we're, we're so quick to jump in to, uh, to answer. And, right. and of course, we go, go look. Very rarely does Jesus jump right in and answer a question. And I think that uh, something that we do in marriage prep as we're preparing couples to get to be married would be so very helpful. Uh, they ask a question and then perhaps restate that question in a different way. So uh, am I understanding this question correctly? What I hear you saying is, and present that question again to, to see if you're actually understanding. Or, or even say a quick prayer as that's going on to realize that maybe the thing that they're asking is not really what they have trouble with, but they know that that's the quick barb that if they can get you on your heels, then they win that argument and they don't have to deal with the fact that the Holy Spirit is working on them uh, and, and nudging them towards something in Catholicism. They're responding in anger, uh, maybe with a quick barb or maybe snarky uh, because they want you to return in kind so they can dismiss you. And so to take that step back and realize, you know, what's the real question here? Amen. That's when you begin to really have the opportunity, as you're talking about, remove those obstacles, because the obstacle to them is not necessarily the question that they're verbalizing. It's something behind that that's just, and, and if it's there, if they're coming to you with a question, the Holy Spirit's working on them. That's right. Amen. And that's and the only way to come to knowledge of what those these obstacles are is to engage them in just a natural conversation, you know, and to ask questions, to find out what is it that's bothering them, right? You know, Tim Staples actually always says, find out where they're itching and so you can scratch it, right? right. You know, you might think that there's this one target that you need to shoot your arrows at, but it's a whole different target that you need to be looking at, right? And the only way to arrive at knowledge of the correct target to be shooting at it with, you know, with your arrows of truth is through listening to find out exactly what they're dealing with. Sometimes the question that they ask is the real problem, right? And that's the obstacle that you need to deal with. But as you mentioned brilliantly, sometimes there's something behind what they're coming out with. You know, one of the things, Tim, that I always try to do when I hear a question on the radio, when I'm on the radio, or if I'm just talking to someone or, or I'm reading something, is to always be asking myself, okay, I have to try and identify, okay, what's their conclusion, right? What's, mm -hmm. what's the thing they're concluding with? And then I begin to ask myself, okay, so why are they making these statements? What's, what's the assumptions being made that's leading them and driving them to make these certain conclusions, right? In philosophy, we'd say, what are the premises, right? In right. the syllogism that's leading to their conclusion. But every single person who's engaging in intellectual inquiry and thought they're making a statement. They're making a conclusion. So there has to be some reason why they're making those conclusions. And very often, Tim, what you'll find is that the assumptions they're making that's driving them to certain conclusions are flawed. And it's 
And when, once you can identify what those assumptions are, well, then now you know what the real issue is, what you need to address, right? And that comes with trying, like you said, is finding out what the real question is, right? In any, in philosophy, right? In the study of philosophy, that's the, that's the, key. Whenever you write a thesis, whenever you write a paper, right? It's all about what's your research question. You right. got to find the right question to ask in order to have the appropriate answers. And that is what we, tr that's what I try to do in the book to try to help the reader identify those targets, identify those flawed assumptions, right? That are leading them to certain conclusions so that you can clarify the flawed assumptions and thus remove obstacles to make them properly displayed to embrace whatever truth you're trying to proclaim. And something you know, because you, you, you've practiced this, you engage in this on a regular basis, but the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus is in you and I by virtue of our baptism and confirmation. We've been given that grace. Uh, Jesus even said, all the things you've seen me do, greater things than this will you do as my disciples. So something that I think we often miss, we get in this, this uh, headspace and we think that this is only about the discussion and only about the argument. And, and, and Facebook is predisposed us this way and our, our divisive culture has set us up this way to think about things in terms of winning an argument. But you look at Christ and he goes up to the person and says uh, at the Pool of Siloam, he says, do you want to be well? And it's like, well, of course, of course I want to be. But he's addressing that very deepest thing in that person. He goes up to the man who's lowered down through the roof and he says, your sins are forgiven and everyone gets up in arms. Uh, and then he brings about the healing. He knew by virtue of being in relationship with the father, he knew what that key issue was. And so, yeah, there's going to be something about training that you can begin to recognize those, recognize those questions. But even more than that, being in relationship with the Holy Spirit, spending time in prayer and having an open ear to what God's doing in these situations. Right. That's going to tell you the key faster than anything else. Amen. It's, it's always, it's the classic Catholic both and, mm -hmm. right? We have to do our part. I often like, I often like to say, you have to make a deposit. You right. got to put some money in the bank and then the Holy Spirit will start drawing when he needs it. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have to do our part to study, to assimilate the, the information to give our intellect something to work with, right? right. We got we got to put the content in there. And then at the same time, while we're studying, being tuned with the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to assimilate and seal those truths within our soul, but also always being present to and, and with the Holy Spirit, asking him to be present with us as we engage in conversation, asking him to draw from that which we've learned, in, in a way that's necessary to meet the needs of the person I'm addressing, right? Right. Absolutely. I always ask the Holy Spirit to please draw forth from me, help me to remember that which I have studied, which is necessary for this person that you've called me to minister to. So always our part, but also doing it with the Holy Spirit. We've been talking today with Carlo Broussard. Check out his new book, Prepare the Way, Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel, and the Church, available on Catholic Answers Press. Go to carlobroussard.com, see all that he's got going on, and be at Christ the King Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, July 9th through 11th. Coming right up. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And today we've been talking with Carlo Brassard. He's got a brand new book out called Prepare the Way, Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel, and the Church, available on Catholic Answers Press. You can hear him on Catholic Answers on the radio dial right here on your favorite Catholic station. And if you're in the Tulsa area, for those of you on my listening audience, uh, he's going to be at Christ the King Parish, just south of downtown on Cherry Street, uh, July 9th through 11th. That's just right around the corner. And if today is any indication, it's going to be a rip-roaring time. So put that on your calendar. If you missed any part of today's episode, or you want to share it with your friends, have no fear. This episode, as well as all of our archives, are available over at OutsideTheWalls.com for you to listen to and enjoy at your leisure. There's also more to this conversation with Carlo available to those who support the show through Patreon. If you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link. It says support the show, and that's exactly what it is. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to all the extra segments. We produce one every week for you to get a little bit extra insight into what our guest was talking about. So go ahead and join their numbers and get access to my conversation with Carlo today, as well as those that have come before. Now let's go ahead and turn our attention over to our reading from Scripture and church history. We've been talking with Carlo about, really about sharing the gospel, about trying to learn as much as we can and to address the actual concerns that people have regarding the faith. And that's a terrifying prospect to a lot of people to think, hey, I, I don't think that that's my gift. I don't know if I can talk to people about my faith. Well, the truth is, is that it's not only your gifting, but it's your calling. We've all, by virtue of our baptism, been called into this ministry of reconciliation. We've been called into uh, sharing with the world what it is that we've received, that we who have received the graces that God has given us, we are called to now go out and share that. And I think one of the reasons that we're so frightened by this concept is because we think of a very specific thing when we think of evangelization. We think of a Catholic Answers where, you know, people call in and ask really obscure and difficult questions, and and I think, oh, well, I can't answer that. Well, maybe not yet. And as Carlos said, there's a, a something to be said for study. We have to prepare our minds so that the Holy Spirit can make use of us. But at the same time, uh, maybe your personality isn't quite as overt as that. The person who evangelized me, who answered my questions in the Catholic faith, was not a person like Carlo. wasn't someone who had all this kind of energy, but it was someone who had a deep love for Christ and a deep love for the Eucharist. And out of my relationship with that person, uh, I was, they were able to, to answer questions that no one else would really have had the right to answer. No one else had that relationship with me where they could have spoken into my life in that way. And so don't get caught up uh, with the idea that you have to be an extrovert to be an evangelist. You have to be uh, high octane to be an evangelist. Not so. All you have to have is a desire to know Christ as well as possible and to introduce others to him. Just like you would introduce someone to a great movie you saw or a great restaurant that you went to, you're introducing them to your experience of Christ. And that makes all the difference. Now, 
our reading from Scripture and from church history today is going to touch on this idea of what it looks like to share Christ. We're starting in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, right there at the very end of the Gospel. Jesus had revealed himself to his disciples, and when they had finished breakfast, said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. That reading comes from the Gospel of John chapter 21, and there is so much in here that we really don't have time to get to everything. A couple of things that stood out to me. First, you notice that Jesus, who has already told Peter, that his name would be Peter, because on this rock you'll build my church. He's calling him Simon. And this is the the place where Jesus is restoring Simon back into ministry. After, after he had denied Christ three times, he gives Peter the opportunity to affirm Christ three times. But something that for our purposes today is very interesting to me is that he is saying to Peter, the way that you should manifest your love for me is in caring for others, right? The way you should manifest your deep and abiding love for me is by caring for others. And that is something that you and I need to hear. You know, all of our devotion, all of our prayer time, all of the things that we could do to show Christ that we love him. And and I believe that they are important for us to do for our own spiritual growth and development and maturity. But when, when it really mattered, here at the end of the gospel, when every single breath of Christ is, is essential and he is not wasting any words, he shows Peter, the first among equals, the, the prime apostle, he shows Peter, the way you manifest your love for me is to care for others. So that's my prayer this week as I uh, as I am meditating on this, this verse that we've read together, my prayer is, Lord, help me to see the way in which you want me to serve others, to show and to manifest my love for you. Help me really to appropriate the fact that acts of service is your love language, to put it in the language of modern parlance, that you receive my love when I serve others, when I give to others, when I when I manifest your love to others. And we get a little sense of that in our second reading, our reading from uh, church history. I pulled it from the breviary for this week. It comes from a homily by Pope Paul VI. 
blessed Pope Paul, soon to be St. Pope Paul VI. And he says this, Not to preach the gospel would be my undoing, for Christ himself sent me as his apostle and witness. The more remote, the more difficult the assignment, the more my love of God spurs me on. I am bound to proclaim that Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God. Because of him, we come to know the God we cannot see. He is the firstborn of all creation. In him, all things find their being. Man's teacher and redeemer, he was born for us, died for us, and for us, he rose from the dead. All things, all history converges in Christ. A man of sorrow and hope, he knows us and loves us. As our friend, he stays by us throughout our lives. At the end of time, he will come to be our judge. But we also know that he will be the complete fulfillment of our lives and our great happiness for all eternity. I can never cease to speak of Christ, for he is our truth and our light. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our bread, our source of living water, which allays our hunger and satisfies our thirst. He is our shepherd, our leader, our ideal, our comforter, and our brother. He is like us, but more perfectly human, simple, poor, humble, and yet, while burdened with work, he is more patient. He spoke on our behalf. He worked miracles and founded a new kingdom. In it, the poor are happy. Peace is the foundation of a life in common, where the pure of heart and those who mourn are uplifted and comforted. The hungry find justice. Sinners are forgiven, and all discover that they are brothers. The image I present to you is the image of Jesus Christ. As Christians, you share his name. He has already made most of you his own. So once again, I repeat his name to you Christians, and I proclaim to all men, Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, Lord of the universe, the great hidden key to human history and the part we play in it. He is the mediator, the bridge, if you will, between heaven and earth. Above all, he is the Son of Man, more perfect than any man, being also the Son of God, eternal and infinite. He is the Son of Mary, his mother on earth, more blessed than any woman. She is also our mother in the spiritual communion of the mystical body. Remember, it is Jesus Christ I preach day in and day out. His name I would see echo and re-echo for all time, even to the ends of the earth. That reading comes from Pope Paul VI, and what a beautiful thing to end on today and to meditate on, as we too must proclaim Christ. Today's show is brought to you by Paige and Kent Keithley and all those who support the show through Patreon, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.